Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back uh, with your favorite podcast show of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 440. And as you can see, uh, we have Karsten with us uh, again this week. And both of us are in different places. Uh, Karsten is in Germany right now, and I'm in Australia. Uh, so here we are from all over different parts of the world uh, with the commitment that we have each week to bring this show to you. So how are you, Karsten? I'm fine. Great. Great to hear you. Greetings to the other side. I think it's, I have to go through the whole earth just to say hello. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, yeah, we, we are active in so many different countries all over the world. I think it's more than 20, 21 right now, uh, different places. Uh, yeah, just, just working on the idea of location-based marketing and all the technologies and use cases around that. So I heard you had been on a couple of our events last day. So how was it? Yeah, we had a small event here in Melbourne uh, last night. Uh, good, uh, good discussion. Um, some interesting folks. We had a, a team from uh, from the local Seven uh, Eleven uh, uh, head offices uh, yeah, who run Seven Eleven out here in in Australia, and they were quite engaged. And uh, also, uh, one of the speakers, uh, Barry, who's with a company called Consistently, uh, based here in Australia, uh, he actually came over to Atlanta as well. You may have met him. At retail local, Karsten. Yes, I know him. Yeah. Um, but uh, interesting uh, as well. Um, you know, something I had never considered before that he brought up in the discussion last night. So he, he's consistently is one of those companies that's in the uh, uh, listings management, local search part of you know our world. And he uh, he talked about how um, the um, with the national parks here in Australia. Um, you know, like the, the, the actual like uh, parks that people go to for recreation and, and hang out, uh, the big the big national uh, parks. So it's but, the, the whole country, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they're uh, yeah, pretty much. But uh, he he raised an interesting point. He said when they went to uh, go and get the parks listed on Google, um, which uh, they uh, you know they they had the the contract for um, the. Um, the, uh, the there was a big challenge because when you list a business on Google, you have business hours, and the Parks Authority wanted the business hours to be sunrise and sunset, uh, because because each park, depending on where it is, it, the actual time is different um, based on the, on when the sun rises and sets. And Google had no way to deal with that. They actually had to create a whole uh, new new way to adjust business hours based on that. So I thought that was a fascinating little thing I've never heard of before, but uh, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So there you go. All right. So we've got a good show for you this week. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories. Um, and uh, I'll let uh, Karsten kick it off uh, with a, uh, a story from the U.S. So. Yeah. So as everybody knows, since a couple of days, it's Christmas time. And Christmas time is also charity time and donation time. And so um, the company DSW, so are creating now um, a donation pop-up store for shoes uh, in, yeah, in the city of retail, which is, as we all know, New York City. So, so these, these guys are going into 
the Soho area of New York City opening a pop-up store uh, December 12th and 15th, where everybody can bring their, their potential good shoes, not, not the old uh, used one more than uh, good ones, to, to give something good and donate this. So that's a kind of... Uh, yeah, cool ideas um, to do it in Christmas time. I'm not very sure if this helps the brands and the uh, the manufacturers to doing this, uh, but may you have another view on this. Um, uh, it's not so popular here in, in Central Europe to do this. It's more to to yeah, not not to raise money or to to bring those kinds of things. Also, what's your opinion on this? Yeah, no, I, I, I like this. I, I think uh, so DSW obviously is a, is a big uh, North American brand. We have the, the stores up in, in Toronto as well. Uh, Designer Shoe Warehouse is the uh, full name for those who, uh, who don't know. Right, the brand. Okay. Um, and so they, they, these guys have massive stores like these, these huge stores with, you know, hundreds of different uh, SKUs of, of shoes. And, and so I, I think it's good to see them, um, you know, take this step, especially at this time of year. Um, you know, I, I, to your point, I think, yes, a lot of people make donations. A lot of people uh, donate used use clothing items. But for them to take their brand, create a pop-up store, create a, you know, um, some storytelling around this. Because it's not just bringing shoes. You come into the pop-up and they have... Um, you know, all sorts of digital uh, elements in terms of telling the stories of where these shoes go and, and how it changes the lives of people that receive them. Uh, they've partnered with uh, Souls for Souls, um, uh, which is uh, basically uh, giving trips uh, to folks uh, to go to Honduras. Uh, Honduras is one of the places where uh, these shoes end up. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think it's... Uh, and they brought, um, I don't know if you know Mindy Kaling, she's a well-known um, celebrity comedian type, um, uh, and she does the DSW TV commercials, uh, so she's sort of the brand ambassador spokesman, uh, spokesperson, and um, so she's getting behind this as well in terms of giving her, of her, her time and her brand equity uh, to, the, to the campaign as well. So I think it's interesting, I mean, I, I um, I think people are doing this anyways, but I, I think the unique piece here is to create a pop-up environment uh, and, and extend your brand uh, at this time of year in a physical space in, as you say, the city of retail in New York. So I, I, I like it. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely. Um, especially if you're using the technologies to explain what's going on, where the shoes are going. So one of the partners, uh, I think this is Amy Stevenson, CMO of the Columbus. Um, they already gave away more than two million pairs of yeah. shoes. I think about that amount of, of, of shoe there. Uh, maybe this helps people directly because they can wear it, they can use it, and um, absolutely fine. I'm always a bit aware about uh, where the shoes are going, so we, we see a lot of stories. We have to make sure that at the end of the day, the right people get the shoes and not a, another market is coming out of this. So I heard about a story in, in Africa where donated clothes uh, will be sold just on a regular basis and kind of second-hand stores mm. so it was donated from us for free and ended up in a, in a second-hand store there so I'm not, uh, not sure if they take care about this but anyway it's a good thing to, to thesis and combine your brand with uh, a donation sync in a different way other people are doing this yes perfect there you go
All right, on, on to our, uh, our second story. So um, moving into the world of uh, micro location or indoor location now, um, Pointer, uh, that's spelled P-O-I-N-T-R, no E uh, on the end, uh, call themselves the Deep Location Company. Um, they're a uh, UK-based uh, company uh, headquartered in London um, and big players in, in the indoor location space. They've just announced they've signed a six-figure uh, contract uh, to provide indoor positioning and, and wayfinding uh, technology to uh, Washington Dulles International and Ronald Reagan uh, Washington National Airport. So the two big airports in, in Washington, uh, D.C. area. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, um, you, you know, it's interesting for me. Two, two, two things on this story. I, th I think one is, is that anytime I see something like a, a big airport property in the U.S. going to non-U.S. technology companies, uh, I always, I'm always fascinated by it, right? Cause I, you know, I, I always think about, you know, in essence, while these are run by airport authorities, they are quasi government entities. Um, and you think about the data, um, you know, that flows through this, um, and, uh, you know, sort of the residency of where that data, uh, lives, um, you know, from a U.S. government perspective, you know, I always question those kinds of things, but, you know, that all being said, Pointer is one of the biggest players in this space um, uh, from an industry perspective. They have a wealth of knowledge and experience uh, in this. They're, they're, you know, they have their solutions in a number of major retail environments, a number of other airports uh, around the world. Um, you know, so, so I'm not surprised from that point of view. Um, the other thing I think that uh, the second piece of this from a... Um, uh, technology um, uh, sort of operational improvement perspective. Uh, one of the things I like about this is, and similar to what we saw in San Francisco uh, with the, um, you know, the, the, the solutions that were deployed. Indoors. There. Huh? Yeah, the, the indoors. Yeah, the, the yeah, indoors from, uh, from Austria. Um, you know, similar kind of thing there. I think one of the things that we're seeing with this is it's less about marketing uh, applications and more about customer service uh, type of, uh, you, you know, of applications. So, you know, how do you use the wayfinding technology to help people navigate the airport more effectively? How do you use real-time uh, positioning data to understand queue management and, and what uh, the lineups are like, you know, going through security at one gate versus another? Um, you know, to try and optimize traffic flow and things like that. I think that's where the real uh, power of these kind of solutions in an airport environment lies. Um, so yeah, mapping, navigation, you know, those are all parts of it. And, and even asset tracking in an environment like an airport, I think becomes really interesting. And, you know, and Pointers is a company that has experience in, in all of those areas. Um, you know, they have like six patents, I understand, in, uh, alone in, in this uh in and around this technology space. So yeah, I, you know, I think this is a good news story. I think, uh, for, from an airport perspective, I think this is table stakes. Now everybody should be doing this. Um, if you haven't done it yet, you better find a, a provider, whether it's pointer or somebody else and, and, and get on this because I think it's a big part of improving customer service today. What are your thoughts? Yeah, so the, the airport environment is also very, very, uh, diverse so you have the operational side on the airport so these these companies 
um, uh, dealing with um, yeah the life of the passengers and the security of maybe a country all those things so uh, handling uh, the planes handling all uh, yeah the operations around this, uh, this 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 core product but we all know these airports are not making money all, uh, out of uh, yeah the, the, the plane landings and departing it's more about uh, the services they provide so uh, right. most of our european um, airports are more like a, a big parking lot a facility where you can park your cars and pay 50 bucks a day for it and also retail and so most of the airports have a couple of different companies running different industries or different services or kind of that to earn money of it and therefore they need this data and to understand how the people are moving what services they need to help make it feel more comfortable around that. Uh, but on the other hand, we're talking about a 24 seven um, business, uh, which is always open. You need three to four shifts a day uh, on a personal side. So this is also a big, uh, big room for new technologies in terms of automatization. And uh, as more data I know, uh, I can collect and know more about my my passenger potential customer yeah so it, it is easier to catch them because if you land with a, with a plane on the last gate of the terminal by the middle of the night maybe there is a business opportunity for you as a retailer at the airport but therefore you have to know this and then you have to react on this. So may open a store could be very expensive because you need employees to open it. Maybe a machine can help here or some yeah, data-driven automatization systems. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, and um, I, I was thinking as you were talking about um, the, um, the airports uh, in, in Munich and Frankfurt, like, uh, you, know, have, I, I, you know, from what you've told me in the past, you know, are, are kind of big users of this type of technology. And I, I know like when we have local conference in February, uh, we're, we're gonna go to the, the Frankfurt airport as part of the retail tour to kind of see what they're doing there. Um, similar stuff, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we will visit uh, at local conference uh, the media sales uh, department of uh, the airport. You know, advertising is, is a big thing. So in Germany, for example, the biggest out of form advertising is on the M Munich airport uh, center. Uh, so this is huge. This is thousands of square feet of uh, digital advertisement with millions of passengers walking through that. So this is amazing. And this is a big, uh, big thing also in digitalization. So they all use now a digital signage solutions too. Um, enable brands and uh, get brand awareness, uh, drive uh, sales and also make money out of it. And so we would go there for uh, just to learn how digital signage on the airport in, in Frankfurt is working. Uh, very attractive thing. Uh, the, um, general manager of the company is owning this. Uh, so we're also having a keynote at local conference in February. So we are, we are very engaged in this. Awesome. All right, on to our, uh, our next story. Yeah, absolutely. A company called Kubient, is that right? Is that how you call yes, it? Yes, Kubient, yeah. Uh, launch, launches an audience cloud. So this is, uh, they call it an end-to-end -end open marketplace to connect ad buyers with sellers. So this is, we are back in the space of advertising and um, the automatization of this. So um, what they do is they opening their marketing platform 
um, and build it into a cloud, which makes it accessible from everywhere. And we can um, see what kind of data sets uh, are available, what kind of advertising is available, uh, um, that in real time. So very often, uh, if you just want to play out uh, yeah, we are a publisher, could be a media house or some partners of that. Uh, there are types of um, different digital advertising. So you, you have to ask first, what is available? When is it available? When is it campaign driven? What's the price for this? And those people allow now uh, by using the, uh, the cloud services, a couple of um, yeah, other services on this, which is uh, also uh, called ad fraud prevention. So this is very interesting. We'll jump into this with you. So what could that be? Because I wrote it in the news and say, all right, but what could that be? Fraud protection in advertising. So what is that for you? Yeah, for me, that's the most interesting part of this because, yeah. uh, you know, when we've looked at other uh, uh, data and audience platforms like this in the past, uh, one of the challenges that we hear from industry members uh, is that uh, there's a lot of data solutions out there, um, but there's a lot of fake data, bad data, poor data, um, and a lot of uh, ad fraud. Um, and so, you know, for me, ad fraud is 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 simply, you know, um, people buying um, ad targeting and and you know getting. Um, you know, results that are faked uh, or results that are, um, you know, not true, uh, accurate, um, you know, sort of representation of, of what the, you know, what, what they think they're buying. Um, and so, you know, there's, a, you know, in the Google world, there's a lot of click fraud. There's a lot of, um, you know, saying that, uh, you know, we delivered, you know, a hundred uh, ad impressions today, but, you know, some robot, uh, you know, is out there clicking uh, the responses. It's not real people. Um, you know, they're actually, you know, target audience people. Um, so, I, you know, how do you prevent that? Um, you, you need to have solutions that can verify the authenticity of, uh, you know, of the ad recipients and, and things like that. So it's good that they have that piece in there. Um, you know, from a location point of view, I think uh, on the audience data side, you know, they, it seems like they have some good behavioral data um, that they pulled into the platform. And I think also from a targeting perspective, uh, you know, they're, they say they're going beyond cookies um, and really focusing on behavior device and, and location based uh, targeting. So, um, which are all good things. I, I, we know this firsthand, uh, you know, last week we talked about, uh, uh, our new platform, uh, Ground Level Insights, and uh, with Abriana, and uh, and you know how we're really focusing that on uh, on audience targeting uh, in terms of understanding hyperlocal behaviors uh, in this in that case around cannabis consumption. But um, you know, I, I think that's the game today. It's not about just data. It's about understanding behaviors of audiences, groups of people that exhibit common behaviors and then how you have the ability to target them. We already have a lot of customers asking us uh, with, with our data about, you know, how, how can they build an audience uh, inside of our data and then export that to an ad targeting platform um, like this. Um, and so I think in this case, what you're seeing is, you know, with a lot of these kind of cloud solutions is kind of uh, rolling all those services together into one framework. So. I like it. I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's not unique in, in, in any way. I think many companies have the ability to do this, but how they've packaged it and positioned it, I think is kind of interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. 
All right, so that's our three uh, industry news stories for this week. Uh, Going to shift over to the members now. Um, and the first story uh, really caught my eye this week uh, because, as you know, uh, just a few weeks ago, we, I was in, uh, in Tokyo. Uh, we had a big LVMA event there, uh, a lot of location data and tech companies coming out. One of the very first LVMA members that we had in um, the market was Yahoo Japan, um, and they are in the news this week because uh, the rumors are uh, running rampant right now that there is potential merger uh, discussion going on between Yahoo Japan and Line. Uh, so if you're not familiar, Line is uh, the Korean uh, messaging app platform, uh, one of the most popular apps uh, in the Japanese market today. Um, and Yahoo Japan, uh, for those of you in North America or in Europe, you're like, Yahoo, are they still alive? Yeah, they are. Uh, in, in Japan, uh, it's a whole different thing. They're the number one uh, platform in search uh, in the Japanese market. Uh, long ago, they separated from uh, the rest of Yahoo, um, uh, which has kind of gone you know, inside of the Verizon um, you know, world. But Yahoo Japan is, is a very large company. Uh, it's uh, currently owned by... Uh, majority controlled by SoftBank uh, and um, you know is a big big player uh, in in the Japanese market and so any kind of discussion like this about a potential merger with with line I think is interesting because uh, you have the number one player in search and maps and things like that in Yahoo Japan and a you know very very well entrenched messaging platform potentially coming together and I think the you know the what that can do in terms of uh, access to the user population uh, there uh, as one entity could be very, very interesting. So uh, this is one to watch very closely. It's, it's unconfirmed at this point in time, although uh, the line PR team did respond to the rumor saying, yes, we are in talks, but nothing is, uh, is official yet. Uh, so they did at least confirm that merger discussions are happening. Um, so that's, uh, that's super interesting. Um, yeah. What do you yes. think? Yeah, um, what we see right now is uh, technology is moving very, very fast and use cases are using very, very fast. So um, owners of companies are thinking about the future of what they have right now. And if you watch into messaging services, yes, this is huge. Uh, but uh, it's on, on maybe not the end of the life circle, but it's may on the top. So everybody's using messenger services. Everybody's uh, thinking of how we can integrate this in different kind of ways. And on the other side, uh, voice search is coming. Voice uh, assistants are coming more and more. So there are two ways. Uh, and when you see what companies are buying and selling, um, that could be also an interesting question to discuss why are they doing this or why they want to go together maybe they stick together also on a on a language side or a typo side so this, this may be a, in the background of the technology uh, point of view but on the other hand there are, there are life circles also for these kinds of products and uh, competitors in the market so um, very interesting to see in this also yeah, well, and I, I just while while you were talking there, I looked it up to see what lines uh, usage is like uh, in in the Japanese market. So um, it looks like they have about fifty six million uh, line users in Japan alone. Uh, All right, that's crazy. 
so so it's it's not a small number uh by any means yeah so that's that that's that's quite uh substantial um and they're projecting on a global basis to be somewhere around uh uh 560 million uh users uh have the app uh with 170 million active users so it's uh, this this is a big platform um i never heard about that here in europe yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, and the other thing I think that from a timing perspective, one of the things I, I heard over there when I was there a few weeks ago is that um, a lot of the location tech companies, Yahoo and others, uh, you know, that, that are part of the LBMA, you know, are really excited and really uh, seeing the coming Tokyo Olympics next year uh, as a way to showcase their technology. And so if you think about the user base that I just talked about, you know, 56 million line users uh, teaming up with Yahoo, uh, number one in search and number one in maps uh, locally in the market. Um, you know, I think the combination of those things in terms of all the tourists and all of the people that will be in, in Tokyo for the Olympics, I think could be quite huge. So maybe the timing for this is, is optimal. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Great. Let's um into our next story, so our friends from Dunkin' Donuts, uh, again, so we had it a couple of times in the show in the past, so these guys are going really digital, so uh, they have their own loyalty program and they're heading with uh, uh, Dunkin' doubles down on digital with rewards ordering, so what does it mean at the end of the day? So maybe it means they're making a good job with digital initiatives to um, yeah, grow their user base for the loyalty program and also for everything you can do with the loyalty points you're getting into. So they have a program called, uh, Dunk, uh, in their Dunkin' app, called Dunkin' Perks, is that right? So Dunkin' yeah. Perks members. Are you members, first question for me, are you using those kinds of services? And so what they do, so they have no more than 12 million loyalty members contributing approximately 30% of rooftop sales. Uh, think about that, this is amazing number. Um, so these guys selling donuts and coffee, uh, but also making a good business and, and uh, yeah, using their digital platforms to, to drive more sales. And uh, now that's great. Yeah, uh, so to answer your, your question, no, I'm not a member, but I would say that's only because we don't have Duncan in, uh, in Canada. Um, uh, otherwise, I probably would be, um, you know, um, so it's just not available to us. And so I, and then I'm not in, in the U.S. market enough, uh, you know, where I'm you know, spending time there. So uh, to do that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, the loyalty uh, arena right now is uh, is really interesting and heating up a lot. Um, you know, last night uh, talking to the 7-Eleven uh, folks uh, here in, in Melbourne, um, you know the 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 guy who leads for the uh, app development piece was uh, was in the room, and we were talking about kind of loyalty in general. And I, and I think that um, there's a lot of uh, need right now to uh, revamp loyalty programs and to to think about them. Uh, I, I would say on on two levels. One is is that you know how do you use loyalty programs to drive more traffic to the store and ultimately more incremental sales. Uh, and two is, I think, uh, is to think about the redemption piece of that. 
Um, so one of the challenges in loyalty that we've seen over the years is that it's one thing to offer people all sorts of perks or rewards or points. Um, it's another thing to uh, actually uh, have people redeem those because if you if if your customers are really engaged with with the loyalty platforms and they're um, holding a lot of uh, points, let's say um, that that's really like a liability from an accounting perspective uh, on, on your books because if they don't redeem the points. Um, you know, you, you basically owe them that, uh, the value uh, of that. Um, and I think, yeah, you know, there, there really needs to be a focus on driving redemption and driving engagement and making it really attractive to people to do it um, uh, and to not store up their, their points values. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, the mobile guest ordering piece of this um, tied into um, into the Duncan app, I think, is, is, is really cool and really interesting um, because um, I think if you uh, if you only do this on the basis of physical store visits and you sort of ignore the whole trend around convenience and mobile ordering, um, I think you're, you're losing out on a big portion of, of what you can do in terms of uh, customer engagement. So I, I like it. I think it's I think it's a smart, very smart move by them. Yeah. So so we are a bit ahead uh, of Canada um, because we have Dunkin' Donuts here in Germany. So right in front of our Internet World Expo office in Munich at the main station, the human station there. So this is uh, Dunkin' Donuts shop. We have a couple of them around since the last years. Um, so so coming back what you said um, it's about mobile ordering it's more digitalization of uh, the whole process in terms of ordering payment delivering so these three pieces uh, putting together therefore you need a um, yeah a very attractive offer for your, for your customer to, to hold them because competitors are out there uh, doing similar things uh, like uh, selling coffee a uh, coffee and uh, so this is uh, this is an important way you see how, how fast things are changing. So 10 years ago, it was, you, you need this POS system 10 times at a Dunkin' store and McDonald's, so you name it, just to, to, to manage all this process thing, just ordering payments, somebody has to put it in. So this is now going more and more digitalized and more and more easy by using um, the, the mobile device or another device will show up in the future. Just, uh, yeah, see, oh, Asif is standing in front of the desk. Mm -hmm. Asif is just drinking a coffee with one uh, sweetener in it or something like that. So that, that will be something, new options in, in terms of automatization and technology is going to be moving. Um, makes it faster and quicker. So anyway, um, I like this, but these are all all these steps uh, to to make a fully automatic system out of it. Um, if we want this, or if it's good or not, I don't know, but we can see it. Um, yeah, just uh, we're doing now what Amplio uh, did in the past and say hello, just what you want to eat. So now we're going to a machine and ordering in a machine and just waiting for something. It could be a display. Or, or mobile device or something else. Um, and let's see how it works out. I'm, I'm not sure. So maybe there's a trend in the back direction also. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so kind of sticking with the same category, our final uh, story uh, for this week is uh, Starbucks now. Um, so going from Dunkin' to Starbucks um, and kind of staying with this whole idea of sort of the mobile ordering piece, uh, Starbucks has launched their very first mobile only 
pickup store uh, in New York City. So uh, it opened on November 5th. Uh, it's uh, located in Manhattan's Penn Plaza. Um, and so basically, uh, like many people do with their Starbucks apps today, uh, you uh, order your coffee and, and historically you would go uh, using geolocation, um, you know, uh, find the closest uh, Starbucks store, uh, you order your coffee through the mobile app, and then when you walk into the store, uh, you know, your, your coffee's there ready for pickup. Um, the difference here is, is nothing other than the store that they've, they've launched here in Penn Plaza is a mobile only store. So there's no seating, there's no uh, or counter for ordering. It's strictly uh, you know, a, a place to go and pick up orders that were generated through the mobile app platform. Um, and uh, Starbucks is really pushing hard into, into this area now. Uh, it's all about you know, consumer uh, demand for convenience. Uh, they've also partnered recently with Uber Eats uh, in the US uh, in 16 uh, markets, uh, including New York. Uh, for uh, for delivery, um, so I think that's interesting too. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, for me, that's that's a bit more of a challenge. Like, I don't know, you know, how long does it take to deliver on Uber Eats your your coffee? By the time you get it, is it you know, is it still warm? I don't, you know, I, I don't know. But the, but for me, mobile pickup um, uh, and having a standalone uh, smaller stores for for mobile pickup, I think is 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 really great idea. Um, I know in, in, in China, uh, where Starbucks is, is relatively new, uh, in Beijing, they have some uh, smaller store formats as well that are similar to this. They do have some seating, but it's not like the stores that we're used to seeing in, in North America or in Europe, uh, where you have you know, a fair bit of seating there. It, you know, here, it's, it, it's really oriented toward, towards a sort of mobile ordering convenience, customer convenience uh, type of uh, setup. So I think it's, it, it's cool. It's interesting. Yeah, well, we also Starbucks is trying a lot of things out in digitalization and also in different store formats. Uh, they could be good, they could be not good. Uh, for example, they launched already in Central Europe uh, some coffee points in gas stations. So when you buy your gas, uh, you can just have a fully branded Starbucks small coffee point inside there where you can um, make your coffee by yourself and then pay it. So um, this, this is in terms of branding, uh, especially if you go into a new market, maybe a good option. If this is uh, paying out, I'm not sure because um, it's, it's a lot of space they need for that, especially in gas stations. So this, this thing is maybe, um, was at six feet to three feet uh, um, what they need from in terms of space um, so it's it's interesting what they do uh, just to bring the brand into the market and they're doing a brilliant marketing also as you can see we're not talking about a mobile pickup store but mobile pickup they're doing in their own store since years mm -hmm. so it's nothing new. it's the only news on this uh, this is only just a small, small, small pickup point, and we do not have any customers. Um, I, I think I wrote uh, a lot of those people uh, in the office building there, so we're very close to this. Um, anyway, uh, so they're trying test, which is good. Uh, if this is the future, I don't know. Uh, and I'm totally agree with you. So delivering my coffee by Uber Eats uh, driver to my house doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is not, the, you know, we had a conversation last week about the coffee culture. So drinking coffee, sitting somewhere, communicate, maybe surfing the internet, use this, this, this uh, 
uh, yeah, this facility for something else, more for social. Um, yeah. Anyway. I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm it, not... it's fascinating, right? And yeah. I think it depends on where you are. Like, I'm in Melbourne right now. Melbourne is 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 well known as being one of the, the you know the most uh, mature coffee cultures in, in the world. Uh, you're just walking around yesterday, seeing lineup after lineup on the streets for these small little like you know no name one off coffee places. Uh, so many of them. Uh, so many of them everywhere, and uh, it's it's such a popular thing here. So I, I have a hard time thinking Starbucks can, you know, survive in a market like this where people are really uh, picky about their coffee. Um, but you know, in in uh, in the mass market of of the U.S., um, mobile pickup makes a ton of sense. So, yeah. So Absolutely. that's it. That's our show for this week. Uh, three industry news stories. Three member news stories. Thank you, Karsten, for uh, for filling in and uh, jumping on again this week. Uh, Ariana, by the way, for those listening and watching, uh, is also traveling this week, so we just couldn't coordinate the schedules. Um, but uh, yeah, we, we we do our best every week to try and still make this happen and bring it to you, no matter where we are in the world. Um, and uh, both Karsten and I will be back uh, next week in uh, in Toronto, so uh, so that's good. We'll see. I'll see you in person, but. Um, yeah, um, you know, we thank you for listening and watching each week. Uh, if you have story ideas, please reach out to us. Uh, we're always open to, to that. Uh, if you have feedback uh, or criticism, um, you know, by all means, uh, we're easily found on all the social media channels. If you're watching the video version of this, um, uh, contact information is at the end of the show. And also, if you're a longtime listener, uh, follower, uh, you may have noticed in the last week we changed our platform. Uh, so we're no longer uh, available on Podbean. We've switched to Anchor uh, now, and uh, which has opened up to to many other channels. So that pushes directly out to uh, Spotify and uh, and um, iTunes and a number of other platforms out there. So much more widely uh, distributed now. Um, you know, uh, and we're kind of excited about kind of where we're going with this and potentially some new branding and things coming down the, the pipeline shortly. So. Anyhow, uh, thanks for listening and watching, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, episode 441. Thanks, everybody. So see you all. Bye-bye. Okay, bye.